I'm John Stevens. This is Pod Have Mercy. Russell. This is Pod Have Mercy. Well, Matthew Marchetti, all the way from guys. the promised land, the Aggie homeland, uh, is with us today. And you know, this is really good. I thought about I thought about you and doing a, mm-hmm. a podcast with you in August and September because it's five years from Harvey and yeah. Hurricane Harvey. So for folks who don't know or weren't here in Houston, Hurricane Harvey was probably for Houston. Well, I don't. I can't go back 100 years, but I would say it was yeah. one of the biggest storm events yeah. we've had in our history, dumping about 50-plus inches in 24 hours. So we already flood in Houston, major flooding, homes flooded, people stranded. I sent Jeff a lot of pictures, and I can send some more. So if you're watching it this on YouTube instead of just listening, there'll be some pictures to remind us. But Matthew, what's interesting is um, I always tell people at you know Chapelwood, and and I think people all over Houston, they just responded by what what's the need in front of you? It wasn't a strategic plan. It wasn't like we had it all figured out beforehand. There were just there were people stuck in their homes, and the flooding was not going to go away anytime soon. And so people just like, well, we need to go get people. I mean, it started as a phone call from a church member to someone who said, our power's out, we're flooded. And it, you know, normally in Houston, if it floods, it goes away pretty quick. But this we knew was going to last yeah. two weeks. People were going to be stuck in their homes. So, you know, people started going out. We had a group of guys from the church and started collecting boats. And that's where... Dude, you were on CNN. I mean, oh yeah, you, you were like leading this charge. That's before I met you, uh, and you were just but. Out it, there. But as I tell you, and I, I want Matt to talk about uh, the crowdsource because yeah. what happened was what had happened was we were just we were just responding to church members, right? And then when we would go, we'd find neighbors are stranded, and their neighbor was stranded, and oh, we know someone else. And yeah. the big thing was people were like, "Well, where can we go help?" And you tell us about. I mean, you were involved in all this with us, and then you you established and started this thing called Crowdsource Rescue, which now has been used all over the world, I think, and helps people in these types of... So talk a little bit about not only Harvey, but what it is and how it works and kind of how you got to where you are. Yeah, the backstory is interesting. Oh. I grew up at Chapelwood, um, you know, a couple of miles away. I didn't get very far um, and was, was living a couple of miles away at the time. And I didn't really care about Harvey. I mean, I knew, okay, there's a hurricane, whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's just typical Gulf Coast mentality, um, uh, which, you know, whatever, it'll be fine. Uh, and uh, for whatever reason, we're going to go right into the spirituality you know, the couple of days before God really just sort of speaking to me, like you need to go and check on senior citizens at, you know, after the storm at Chapelwood. Yeah, everything will probably be fine, but you know, you, you should, um, you should volunteer to do that. And I emailed Andy Cunningham and a couple of Chapelwood folks that said, Hey, you know, after the storm comes, like, I'd like to go check on them, you know, make sure they're okay. See if, mm see if I can help at all. And I had this, you know, and I felt very proud of myself that day of like, <laughs> I listened to God. I came up with a plan. I'm not going to be lazy. I was driving down Beinhorn. I took a turn too fast and I whacked into a telephone pole and, uh, you know, the 
front end was all busted and it popped all my tires too more importantly and uh i got mad about it because it was just like i had this plan i felt like god was saying something and i listened and then my car busted how am i supposed to go check on these people <laughs> without a car obviously harvey's coming this happened on a saturday i guess harvey's coming you know i just sort of i left it in uh the parking lot where uh southwest is i think uh, i just walked walked home so that i think that's on saturday you know there's been so many storms sometimes i get my days mixed up you're gonna have to jump in and tell me where i'm no, wrong, it was John. we had a worship service um, on saturday night uh, combined saturday it, night uh, because we canceled sunday morning church it started that saturday oh, wow. night late yeah wow uh, um so i wake up the next day uh obviously my uh little uh, i'm sure it'll be fine my my hurricane gulf coast hurricane bravado did not work out for me uh i was riding around on the bike just looking at stuff um and i um at some point we connect um but so i i'm i'm riding around my bike um i pull up to boston memorial and it's just like covered in water this bridge that i've driven you know almost every day of my life is now nine feet deep uh there's a village fire department guy there and i i told him i was like well you know hey i was an emt in college um you know can i help at all and he's like yeah we definitely need the help go down to the fire station um and and just volunteer you know tell them the same thing and they'll they'll put you to work i was on my bike and the fire station is like four miles away so i but luckily for me, a guy coming, uh, was coming back with a boat full of people. And I was like, that sounds more interesting. I don't have to bike four miles away. Um, and so I just got in that guy's boat, uh, started going to some of the neighborhoods, helping people out. It's, uh, you know, rescue is kind of a strong word. It was like water-based taxi at that point. Because even at that point, it's like, yeah, this is pretty bad. I mean, little did we know, there's going to be another five days of this um at some point and this is where you could probably jump in john uh we connected right because i i remember i was starting to get messages on facebook and stuff and then um we got on a text chain and you were sending me addresses and and then somehow a group me got involved yeah uh uh some of that effect this is the long story by the way because i mean the csr story the origin story in chapel is very intermingled um uh so i can't i think it was fred and donna low perhaps mm. you texted me or something somehow i ended up at your house that night yeah um and i remember we were at your house and bayou buffalo bayou was you know a mile or two north and we can't cross it and fred and donna are on the north side of buffalo bayou and i'm Remember, I'm posting on Facebook to see if there's um, anybody on the north side who can go and, and get them. And they, you know, they, I think I might have made this up, but I think they at one point even called the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard was just like, I don't know. Um, You're not close enough to the coast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they're right on the bayou and it's coming into the house. A boat came, but it didn't have a motor. And we call that a canoe, I mean, man. We more or less, look, <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was like it was an actual, yeah, canoe. But I mean, it's Buffalo Bay is going like forty miles an hour now. Dear Whoever Lord. gets on that boat's going to need to be rescued. 
So it was like 10 or 11 at night and we didn't do anything because what are you going to do? You can't cross Buffalo Bayou. And it, I went home a little frustrated. It was just sort of, you know, pissed me off. Like, it's just stupid. Uh, also, at that point, I was in GroupMe and WhatsApp and uh, Facebook messengers and Facebook was going crazy. And I'm a little bit of a... Uh, yeah, I'm a tech guy. Yeah, sure. But I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of boomer-esque sometimes. There's like, this way too many apps. So, uh, but so I was talking with Oliver Carter and then longtime business partner, Nate Larson, telling him about some of this stuff. Nate and I are both programmers. We both, you know, worked with Oliver, um, at his real estate firm. So, you know, on the programming side, maps make a lot of sense. So we just sat down. So anyways, it was like, this is stupid. Like, wh how, why can we not know that somebody is up in the north and go get these folks? Um, so we start making like a, a little website. It was very simple. If you need to be rescued, fill a form. If you could help rescued, fill a form. And there was a map that, you know, stuck the two together, like a, a crappy version of Uber. I think we finished it. Yeah, we finished it around like 6 or 7 a.m. And I texted... I texted the group text and I think I texted you and Christian Washington and, you know, some folks at the church and we had put like 20 people in it. I took a nap and then woke up at 9am and there was 1500 people in it. And I'd also put my phone number on that website. Cause again, there's no grand plan here. <laughs> like, you should have put um, John's phone number on it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, it's very funny now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, that morning, it was not funny. Mm. Um, because, you know, I had all these people texting me, like, oh, you know, wow. these awful stories of like, I'm stuck in the roof of my house, like, I'm or I'm in the attic, or I'm this, like, can you help? Can you help? And I'm just sitting there. What am I going to do about it? I Well, I, I can't really say, you know, what I thought, uh, not on a church podcast, but uh, it was very colorful. Um, with uh, a couple swear words, but it's just, what the hell am I going to do about this? Like, we're screwed. Um, 911 was going down that morning. I mean, I'm, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think HFDs used to 5,000 calls a day, and now they're getting 50,000 calls an hour. Um, but so 1,500 becomes 3,000 becomes, and I'm just sitting there looking at this like, oh my god like now i've really done like this website's going to go viral and it's going to account for zero rescue like we, this is not what i intended and we're thinking about like just shutting it down now um but people started sharing it and people started saying well, wait a minute because again it's just two buttons in a map like with no instructions on it just pulled the map up said oh well this makes sense started going with their own boats in their own um their own trucks in their own neighborhoods there was this app called zello like it's a walkie-talkie app and i realized like um i got on this app and saw this back and forth between people talking about like id number 1415 has just been rescued or i'm going on over to id you know 123 and just started looking it up and was like wait a minute those are our ID numbers. Again, mm. we didn't tell anybody to do this. This just all just started happening. Um, 
And so that Monday at the end, um, I was still getting calls, but I started to get calls from people with boats and trucks and so, um, and I, I, I remember the moment cause it was just like, it was this guy with the thickest Cajun, like Cajun accent you'd ever heard saying like, I got 40 boats, you know, on the way, where do you want them and all this? And I rattled off a couple of areas and then I, I sat in my office and I just cried cause it was like, I mean, I started that day of like, we're screwed. People are going to die. Um, to like, okay, there might be some hope here. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the uh, normally I tell that story in like a minute. It's like, well, I was out no, risking. It's you know, great. I mean, members that's, of my church, and then yeah, the the uh, just to put it all in perspective, though, what people don't understand if you were in Houston and you know, yes, there were fifty some odd inches of rain in twenty four hours. Yeah. People don't know Houston's built on a swamp, so we have the bayou system. We also have these reservoirs, these huge yeah. systems that hold water back. Well, those were potentially – so you have the first flooding, the flash flooding. Mm-hmm. That normally would go away. So the first night, Saturday night, my street floods, and it starts to dissipate. That's what typically happens in Houston. But what happened, what was unique about Harvey, is you have the flash flooding – and instead of it going away, the Army Corps of Engineers had to release water from the reservoirs because the reservoirs were in danger of failing. And if they had failed, you would have talked. You're talking about catastrophic life loss, homes. People don't know these reservoirs. These are huge earthen Massive. mounds that rise up and keep the water from overwhelming Houston. So when all that happened and they started releasing, well, God. what that meant immediately was all of these certain neighborhoods around bayous. We're going to be flooded, like four, five feet, six feet of water, depending on where they were. And because of the release of the reservoirs, that water was going to be at that level for 10 days. Wow. So the water was not going to recede. There was nowhere for it to go. It was going to continue to be released out of the reservoirs. So that's what made this situation where we were unique is that, um, <clears throat> that we had all these people who were stuck. And even when we would go out to help people, we would come across someone who was in their house and like, no, I'm not going to leave. It always, yeah, it floods, but it always goes away. Mm -hmm. Well, and then the next day you'd leave your number and you'd get five phone calls from these people. Hey, we, can you come back? And so the crowdsource thing, and I think the reason why it exploded, it was a, it was a collision of an idea to help people. You know, like you said, it was a simple thing that Super you didn't simple. expect to, but the need was so huge mm. and people had nowhere to go because you, you couldn't call 911. Like you said, 911 couldn't help you. There was no one to come help you. So it was neighbors helping neighbors. Well, you had people like us and a group of guys from Chapelwood, you know, we called us the Chapelwood Navy or whatever it was. And there was a Cajun Navy. That was what you were talking about. The guys that came over because they've done this before in hurricanes and they had 40 boats and they're coming over and they're calling you saying, all right, deploy us. You know, you're like the admiral, the ceremonial admiral of the Cajun Navy. And this is where we started finding because once we got past the the network collections of people in their Sunday school classes calling each other. Right. We're going to get those people that we know. Well, and then you're running across people. Well, then it was like there were tons of guys because every day we had more and more guys in boats show up. And we kind of ran out of all of our connections. Well, that's when we turned to crowdsource and like, all right, guys, there's buttons all over, you know. Let's go. And, and you could. You could um, 
Wow. If you were on that app, you knew that there were the group from Louisiana was going in this neighborhood. And so we targeted a neighborhood with our group. And I, I just think it's a, it's a fascinating thing that and how it was birthed in, in this moment of need that was so unique to us as far as a catastrophe. Mm. But man, it really helped a lot of people, the stories of, of people who think about with families yeah. who are going to be stuck for 10 days in summer. This is remember that this is this is end of August, beginning of September, mm -hmm. which in Houston is that's our second summer. Horrible. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. And you got no power, no AC. Uh. Generators are not working because they're underwater, right? So it, there was one house we went to where there was an old like it looked like a locomotive in this guy's garage, old house, huge generator, and it's running, and the electrical wires, like the extension cords, are underwater. plugged into it and running underwater as oh. we're going into the house. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was there was some scary stuff. I don't know much about electricity, but I don't think that's a healthy... Yeah, it doesn't do it. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, I didn't... I mean, I want to help people, but I didn't sign hey, up Mark to Mark Hauser, like... you get out of the boat first. <laughs> <laughs> but I think your, the story is great, and 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 you know the how it blossomed and helped so many people here. Yeah. But what was yeah. also interesting to me is how you saw then and leverage. I mean, since that since Harvey, you've taken this thing and you've been working with first responders, not just in Houston. Talk about like like recently Hurricane Ian. I mean, was in Florida. Now Now so, I always follow your social media whenever hurricane season comes. Matt Marchetti's always like, all right, I'm getting ready. It's our hurricane season, you know, because this Still is kind of something that's taken off. Relate. This thing is taken off. <laughs> that's great. And it's helping people all over the place. Talk a little bit about how, how you've seen it kind yeah. of expand and help in other spots. So Harvey helped rescue around 25,000 people, which again, sounds very impressive, but I need to remind you, Accidental. Um, 25,000. Did not intend to do that. Uh, and so we were just sort of looking at ourselves like, well, that was the craziest thing we've ever been a part of. It's pretty awesome. Uh, then Irma hits two weeks later. People start using the site again. Oh, okay. Well, round two, let's go. Um, wow. And then Maria, um, you know, two or three weeks after that, again, the same thing. And so by that time, it's like, okay, I guess this is the thing. You know, it's not just, um, you know, a one-off with Harvey. Um, yeah, at that point, you know, um, uh, we really start working on it and start, um, uh, it, you know, it becomes kind of this idea of like, well, you, you always have this after a storm where it's like neighbors helping neighbors is not new. Uh, but there is like sort of a consistent lack of coordination between that and first responders um, and um, in, in just some of these bigger, you know, storms are getting bigger and as they get bigger, 911 will go down and when 911 goes down in these areas, that's when social media starts playing and it just starts going buck wild crazy. Um, so, um, uh, don't create a non-profit at that point. It's still almost like this sort of like kind of side hustle we're doing at the end of the day. Um, Florence rolled, so, so, you know, for two months afterwards, just hurricanes. Um, and it, it's, it's figuring out what this is. Um, uh, December, January rolls around. I get a call from HFD and I'm sitting there thinking like, I have two missed calls. You know, I woke up at like 10 a.m. to develop a sleep late. 
um, two missed calls from HFT. And it's just like, oh, boy, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> They're going to come in and yell at me. Um, but they they call me in. I meet with Chief Pena, and they're like, this is awesome. Whatever you got going on here is awesome. Wow. Let's figure out how to do this. It, and and that, that keeps happening more and more. Like emergency management agencies start reaching out, and first responders start reaching out. We start redeveloping the website. Lawrence rolls around. This time we meant to do it. Um, you know, we had 8,000 volunteers sign up, um, which were like 12,000 rescues, something like that. Um, but we started noticing something at this point. So at this point we have, you know, like GPS tracking and whatnot. And so 8,000 volunteers sounds like a lot, right? But um, for the most part, people are just doing like, you know, in their own neighborhood, like really neighbors helping neighbors. That's great. Um, but the people putting up huge numbers, like, you know, these use, we're just seeing it on user data at this point, but it's like one person rescued like, 250 people in a day how did he do that um so just start calling them randomly like hey who are you <laughs> um <laughs> and it's all these just volunteer search and rescue teams where it's like you know some people like hunting some people like soccer some people like going out into hurricanes um and rescuing people start working more with them specifically now um five-ish years later I don't know. I think it's like 17 hurricanes. I'm not sure how many hurricanes. It's been a lot. Um, uh, a lot of partnerships with emergency management. It's very much become this sort of hybrid thing. Um, so like Ian, um, uh, we activated right before uh, the storm set. We had um, seven search and rescue teams that we supported who were sitting there um, uh during landfall, all huddled up in a, a garage. As the eye passes, um, they start going out because um, we're already receiving tickets at that point. Start doing like the, you know, real middle of the storm. People need medical emergency. People need um, evacuation or the roof caves in. Um, that lasts for about 24 hours, and then um, as winds die down, the ground teams start coming in, and they're doing wow. wellness checks, and they're doing evacuations, they're doing um, I mean, you know, so anyways, at the end of it, it's about 1500 rescued or accounted for. And so it's become very systematic now, um, and systemic part of that is that, um, you know, hurricanes are life now. It seems like I think they even have a hurricane shirt on. I didn't plan this. It's just, uh, but yeah, it all started from that accident. I think it all started because I took a corner on a on Beinhorn too fast um <laughs> accidentally um and then you know if i trace those steps back where it's like now five years later it's about uh, i think 60,000 rescues or people that we've helped um however many storms a lot of storms but um we did you know there was the freeze which was a big deal you know general crisis as well as um uh COVID, we, we basically just set up same map, you needed food, um, you'd hit the button. If you could help deliver food, hit the button and have done a million um, meal deliveries in 17 uh, Texas counties along with uh, food banks to folks who don't have transportation, um, they're homebound, 
and I mean, we're still doing it now, but it was particularly important during the lockdowns and COVID where it's like, yeah, but I don't have anything to eat and I can't go outside my house and I don't have a car to get there anyways. What I, what I always tell people, what's interesting to me is like how this starts. Mm-hmm. And when you look back, it's always like anything, I call this great, but anything great, uh, anything that, that happens and people look back in history and they say, wow, that was a, that was a great moment. That, how, did, how did you start at the beginning? And I know, like was telling about from Arian, you're talking about how you took a corner too fast and you ran into a telephone pole and, you know, and those are not the kinds of great beginnings that you think of. But what I've always said to people is, discernment or doing the right Holy Spirit thing in your life or whatever the Spirit thing is led to do comes out of three categories. There's like three legs to the stool, Hmm. right? There's a need, there's giftedness, and there's passion. Hmm. And so when I look at the situation, it's like I did not, I I, I hadn't have any idea that I was gonna be going in boats to people's homes never crossed my mind right. as a matter of fact when we got word from someone that someone was stuck in their house i put someone on facebook said does anybody have a boat and can go pick somebody up i wasn't gonna go <laughs> and then all of a sudden the next day i'm out in a duck boat you know pushing it through you know five you know coming up to our chest, chest water. water yeah but i mean what i'm saying uh-huh. is so when people are like oh what what you all did was great i'm like i we didn't i didn't no one's thought they were going to be doing something great. You just did the next right thing. Uh-huh. The need was there. The need was massive. And people were stuck, as I said, because the waters were not receding. And people were going to wait it out. So now they're stuck. You know? And then the giftedness. You know, Marchetti's got, he can program the hell out of stuff. I mean, I don't know what that means. I don't, I know how to open my iPad. That's about all I can do. But to create, you said a very simple thing that I, could never even fathom on doing, which was like a crude Uber deal where people could sign, hey, I need help, or hey, I'd like to help. And all of a sudden, you're aggregating, they say, you have the giftedness to do it. And then, I don't know if it was a passion in the moment, but what you did have a passion for that I find fascinating is you wanted to do something. Mm. And so the need and your giftedness aligned with that passion that I want to do something. I want to be involved to do something to help someone. I can't just sit around all day. Yeah. And those two things align for you, huh. and they've aligned since, you know, wherever the need pops up. This thing has grown and adapted like COVID, you know, for, for food pantry, for food. I mean, that was not rescuing people from their homes, but it is rescuing people in the moment of their need. And so this technology has become fascinating to me the other thing that i think that's really um special about this is i know you work a lot with you know the home the homeland security people or whatever they call it um you know fire departments you're talking about houston fire you know fema all this i mean you work with those although sometimes as you've shared before it can be a headache uh, anytime you're dealing with a government (laughs) but what what's fascinating about this is these are neighbors helping neighbors you create you've created a platform where good people from Louisiana, the Cajun Navy, come over, they want to help. Or people in our neighborhood are like, who can we help? We want to help somebody. We helped all the people we know. Who else is out there? Mm. And when you, to me, you created something where neighbors can help neighbors, which is what we talk about. It's kind of like, man, if we can do that, that's what, that's what life and faith and spirituality and community is about, neighbor yeah. helping a neighbor. And you created a platform where people could figure out where the need is if they want to help, you know? I think that's, 
I think that's really awesome. It's a God thing in the midst of technology and disaster. Yeah, I like I like what you said about need discernment, giftedness. I I um, I mean this this is well I, I guess what I tell people it's you know CSR is like ninety five percent of my time, zero percent of my income is the most expensive hobby I've ever undertaken. <laughs> um, where it's just you know. Um, and that's that's with a lot of the volunteers too. I mean, we all we call all call each other, you know, hobbyists, and it's just like you know they're buying like twenty five hundred dollar night vision goggles, and you know, all you know, the training is incredibly expensive, and all this, and and um, we will undergo all sorts of grief from government agencies, and it's like a million meetings and. You know, you can imagine my attitude towards some of these bureaucratic meetings and the work that goes on behind the scenes, and yet it all falls away in that, like, you know, those like three or four days um, where it's just all all of a sudden all worth it. Um, and it it is it's strange to look back on. Um, I, I always try to tell the um, car story and, and just sort of, or I always try to like make it clear, like with the Harvey story, you know, rescued 25,000 people. And then I immediately say, we did that accidentally. Because it, it, I, and I think people don't necessarily really believe me, but like, um, you know, when I said that I was mad after I, I wrecked my car, I was. <laughs> This is stupid. Um, uh, you know, I thought, and I was going to do the plan, and your deal, your end of the bargain, God, was to not let me wreck my car. You know, this is dumb. Like, um, and now five years later, like, you know, I we obviously, we've, you know, CSR has helped a lot of people. Obviously, it's been a huge part of my life. But, you know, it's other stuff, like, I met my future wife through it. You know, we're getting married in January, and it was all just. Um, and and I, I would love to be able to say of like, you know what, John, you're right. It's actually because I'm real, real smart, and I saw the need, and you know, I'm just really, really good at my job. I didn't mean to do any of that. No. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. it just all happened to be. Um, I I didn't even mean. You know, I didn't even mean to be riding around on my bike. Like, um, if it all was according to me and in my plan, none of this would have happened. And it just sort of, um, but like, it's just when I look back at particularly the start of it and in those days, um, you know, when it was just a little website to, to help Chapelwood, where it was like that was absolutely rough steps could have changed the outcome in vastly mm -hmm. different ways. And it just, I guess I just try to remind myself of it, you know, particularly, you, you know, because sometimes it is frustrating. Like, sometimes it is, like, yeah. you know, why, why oh, do I do this to myself? We a lot of volunteers, but it's just, I mean, it, it um, is insanely rewarding. And just the fact that it's like, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I got put in this position, in this role, and, you know, but my head hurts if I think about it too much, but I'm just grateful that God did. Yeah. So how is it, how is it accessed? Is it that, um, 
you know, a, a rescue like the fire department or a community organization will say during this tragedy or this event, we're going to use this, your application or your website? It's um, sort of flexible in many ways. So on the one hand, like we have our activation guidelines um, where it's um, it, it, it's sort of like taking a guess at like will it be helpful. So you know, it's first is nine one one down. Nine one one's down. That's a pretty big problem. Um, yeah, because that means people are going to start posting on social media. It's going to start going crazy. And, and um, so much of this is about finding a balance, um, for instance, because like when social media starts going crazy, half the stuff on social media is wrong. Um, and so it's, yeah. it's going to hurt. But CSR can come in there. And there's room for us to play and, you know, kind of calm some of that down. Okay. Are there volunteers active? Is there, you know, there's no volunteers, well, then there's no point in activating. Um, and it, you know, is there a clear path forward? And so we, we have an operations team and we're, we're, you know, always sitting there um, kind of looking at some of the situations going on and seeing like, well, can it be, can it be helpful? So that, that's on the one end. On the other end, some of it just develops um, naturally, um, like, uh, my my best asset personally is just my cell phone. Um, it's not a CSR app. It's not a boat. It's not anything or, or any of that. I mean, it's just sort of the relationships that you have with folks. And so a lot of times like, it could be, uh, um, to your question, Matt, it could just be emergency manager saying like, hey, you know, NWS just told us the river's going to flood. We need to get about 500 people out in 24 hours. You know, can you send, can you send a couple boats? You know, can you send some volunteers? Um, it's just you know nothing to do with technology. It's just that connection um, that you have. Um, there, you know, the elephant. Like there, there's a. I think there's sometimes. Two, like you know, they don't necessarily want us running around there, and uh, they not care very much. Uh, our point back to some of the emergency managers, some of the fire departments who get cranky about it is like the volunteers are going to do it anyways. So unless you arrest them, which is not going to look good on you, um, you might as well work with us because at least we help. Yeah, yeah that's great. I think the 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 volunteers the the volunteer thing is interesting because I remember not only in some conversations you've had in different places, you some of your frustrations that you have emergency management personnel. They're like, well, we don't want you in there. Like even they would, they told us, mm. it's like, you don't need to be going in there. It's dangerous. Well, of course it's dangerous. That's why we're going in there because there are people in there <laughs> and you're not. And it wasn't when I say they were not going to get them, it wasn't that because they didn't want to go get them. They were tapped out. And in a storm, as you know, if you watch on the news, like the, like the people you were talking about, the volunteers and Ian, and they hunkered down there, the eye gets passed. Well, 911 and and public safety they're not going to go until like a certain time that it's safe. Yeah. Like they stop deploying. They go generally when the winds are below 35 miles an hour. This is a big um this is yeah, it, I mean, at the end of the day there's always a balance there. Um sometimes people you get two sides of the same coin. People approach us and say, "Well, why are you out there? FEMA's out there. What do you, what do we need you for?" Like, okay, well, first off, FEMA doesn't actually rescue anybody, so wrong right there. Um, second off, it, 
you know, look at the Harvey numbers, for instance. Um, 50,000 calls an hour. Houston Fire Department had 11 boats. Um, that math is never going to work out. So obviously, you know, there can be extremely capable first responders, but you're still going to need help. Um, but then other folks who are looking at us like, oh, you know, look how great CSR is. Like, you know, screw FEMA and, and, and <laughs> you know, why do we need the government for it? And it's like, well, no, no it's, not all, it's not that either. Because like, yeah, obviously I think we're awesome. Uh, we don't have a helicopter, and yet... But like, um, so well, it's public. Par- I mean, it's it's private public it's, partnership. I mean, so you have the you, both. Yeah, but like for instance, if volunteers are are, are doing some of the less um, some of these cases, it means you know, U.S. Coast Guard only has so many helicopters, for instance, um, and so they're able to focus on some of the more priority cases, and it, it's. A lot of it is just taking your assets, and this is the same thing that emergency management does. Um, it's taking your assets, it's looking at them, and it's trying to put them um, to best use. Because I mean, we have you know a couple of volunteers and CSROs, these big, massive, awesome trucks. Like they, they're so cool. Uh, um, but we don't want that. I mean, that needs to be used for floodwaters. It running around with four miles a gallon doing food deliveries. Unless that doesn't really make sense, and so. Um, so anyways, with like a lot of the emergency managers, I mean, some of it is like, yeah, this is awesome because, you know, you'll particularly see this in the rural areas because like, you know, we'll, we'll work with counties, um, right alongside the John, you know, I need both of y'all to start filling this role. They are the county's emergency manager, county's barber, and the uh, local preacher running around on a jet ski um, where it's like what what resources do they have it's an all-volunteer department it, nobody cares about them the state doesn't care about them um and so like they it, it is you know they have they, they need those outside resources yeah sometimes the major metropolitan areas look a little bit prickly about it and some of that's just like know, it's just well that's if you live if you live uh, in a big a very clever trick if you live in a big city and you don't know how things work out in the country, you know, like right. where I come from in South Georgia or even East Texas, you know, a lot of these volunteers, like you said, a lot of these fire departments are volunteer-based fire departments in some of these real small rural counties and areas. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, you know, a lot of the, yeah, they're volunteer-based, they don't have a ton of money, and then an organization like us is able to come and say, you know, um, the, you know, here's 15 folks that are trained in swift water. They have boats. They're self-sufficient. We're not going to ask you for gas. We're not going to ask you for food. Like, pretty much just tell us where to go. Show up, bring a little trailer, and then off to the races. Um, it, <laughs> and, like, the most important thing is just those connections. Like, I had, a, I had a fire chief friend call me up. He was like, you know, this is a strange question, but uh, our pumper broke, and if anybody has a fire right now, this guy is screwed. <laughs> um, do you happen to know anybody with a spare pumper? As a matter of fact, I do. Because <laughs> um, uh, we, vol- we have a volunteer who helps train firefighters, and so he has, like, these massive fire trucks, like five of them. And, um, and, uh, 
inspiring that connection and that, you know, so, sometimes we're just playing middleman or it's like, uh, fire chief over here needs a spare pumper. Well, there's a spare pumper over in um, San Antonio. And best of all, it's free. Um, I'll, yeah. Well, man, I, I appreciate you. One of the things I want to point people to, if you um, want to learn more, you can go to crowdsourcerescue.com. That's the site. It's a really it's a really great website, which doesn't surprise me because you, you're a programmer. But <laughs> but you can also donate um, if you'd like to I support. The, the, I heard the creator is a genius. <laughs> I mean, but you can uh, you can donate to uh, Crowdsource Rescue, all the things that you've heard and. Man, it's just really good that it continues to go on. And uh, the story, to me, the origin story of it and kind of how it started and that we share that history together. I mean, it's a, it's a thing that I'm, I'm always I'm always proud for you, you know, and for everybody else that's been a part of it because we were kind of here when, you know, watching you kind of get this thing up and going. And just we, we personally, you know, here were deeply impacted mm -hmm. by the success of that. So just proud of you and um all the great work you've done and appreciate you coming and being with us today appreciate y'all having me and yeah it's um it, yeah i get all emotional about some of the start of it because i think you know csr today is much different uh we, we sometimes wonder it's like would csr today like csr or harvey they think they're a bunch of you know wacko crazy folks um but, you know, we've grown a lot, but the Chapelwood connection has always been really important to me. You know, I, I grew up at Chapelwood, went there my whole life. I um, moved for my soon-to-be wife, my lady friend, um, but it's something I miss dearly. And so that, I don't know, it always feels like Chapelwood is, you know, Chapelwood friends and Chapelwood volunteers and donors they're always cheering mm -hmm. us on and it's always that just yeah. sort of shared history and intertwinedness and yeah and they're talking about steps like i wasn't at your house that night this would not have been a thing and so i think so much of the story is just paying attention to what god wants and going for it man I'm, i deeply appreciate you and thanks for coming on and being with us sorry we had some connection problems they were on our end not your fault nah, it's not good hey well we'll come yeah. see you soon in aggie land all right i'll see y'all all right brother we appreciate you thanks, thanks so much a lot, matthew he's a good kid he is. i call him a kid everybody younger than me is a kid but he is a kid that's amazing what he created on the fly in the need and how impactful it was Twenty-five thousand people in harvey is that is yeah, that yeah, the right yeah. i mean yeah. that that seems incredible that that I'm just amazed because I don't know anything about programming. The fact that he, yeah, he could do put that, that thing together in a night. Yeah. And like within a day. I mean, yeah. we were doing rescues for like five. It was almost, um, not quite a week, it was almost a week. And the reason that a lot of us stopped, a lot of us stopped, not every, some people kept going is because the water got, you had uh, sewage and backup and oh, right. the water started getting really uh, dangerous. Mm. So if you had a cut, you know, there's a lot of, you could get cut. You could get really bad. Some people got some really bad infection yeah, yeah, yeah. type stuff. So there was a point in time where we just told people like, we can't kind of do this together anymore. Officially, if you want to keep going, you can, mm -hmm. but, 
but man, to see him do it and launch that thing and to see it just blow up like overnight is just amazing to me. And the fact that now if you go on, you know, every time a storm comes, whenever you hear it, I mean, go to that website at Crowdsource Rescue and you'll see it get activated. Like you'll see, Immediately. oh yeah. And you'll see like Ian, you'll start seeing it pop up. People are like, I need help, I need help. And like I said, it's, there's, a, there's a, a window of period of time where the need far outstrips what emergency management people can do. So I love our public safety and I love our emergency sure. management sure. and they do a great job, but they're tapped out. I mean, yeah. you're talking about like Ian hitting in Florida, you're talking about multiple counties that are just waylaid and some people didn't evacuate or they're stuck or they couldn't evacuate. Yeah. I mean, you think about yeah. some people that are not mobile, yeah, that's right. all sorts of things. And so ah, it's just a powerful story. And that's I keep amazing. going back to that, you know, discernment thing, those three legs of the stool, you know, the passion, the need, the passion and the giftedness. And when those things, when those things align, then, then you kind of know what you need to do. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And, and it sometimes starts from a humble story of, I took the turn too fast and I hit a telephone pole and, uh, that gives birth <laughs> to something. So don't ever underestimate like something in the moment that, that spurns you or motivates you yeah. to the next thing. Yeah. You never know yeah. what it's going to be. Yeah. The, the spirituality of interruption. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we're interrupted into the kingdom often. It's great, great, great. Well, this has been good time. Uh, make sure if you're listening on the podcast, if you like or subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're on, if you're watching it on YouTube, you know, make sure you like and subscribe. It also ping you when you subscribe. It'll let you know, hey, there's a new one out and share it with other people. Ask them to like it and subscribe yeah. too. It helps us get we're to likable. We are likable. So anyway, well, I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Mm-hmm.